Welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way, we will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children. It is leading to chaos. And Big Daddy government, of course, can be there to pick, up, pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted by power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our republic's course. We the people. Well, it's time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate, and welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, I'm getting ready to wrap things up here in Carlsbad, New Mexico this weekend. Then it's home to my beloved bride. Speaking of Denise, she tagged me in a post on the Bookface last week that was kind of funny. Bookface is what I call Facebook. I taxed that term from a good friend of mine that I served on active duty with, Mike Welter. Anyway, it was a funny post. But then it got me to thinking. The post reads, quote, marriage, an endless sleepover with your favorite weirdo, unquote. That's cute and very endearing, right? But just who is the weirdo in the marriage? Since she made the post, I'm assuming that it's me. Some of the guys that I worked with these past three weeks were provided my Navy background prior to my arrival. Specifically, they were provided the fact that I served on submarines. To them, locking yourself in a steel tube and going underwater for months on end seemed a bit, well, weird. So they were mentally preparing themselves to work with someone crazy enough to volunteer to serve on submarines for more than two decades. It was all good, though, but it kind of proves the point in Denise's post. I'm the weirdo in the marriage. I can accept that. But I really enjoyed answering the guys down here their many questions about what life was like on a submarine, but also what life was like in the military. You know, that always gives me an in, so to speak, to discuss how a culture of teamwork and strict procedural compliance always kept us safe while operating beneath the waves. But like I said at the beginning, I'm finishing up the engagement this weekend, and I will be on a plane back to Tennessee and my family. I actually got to engage in some touristy stuff here this time, too. This past Sunday, I went down to Carlsbad Caverns and did the self-guided walking tour. According to my mother and my older brother, we did this a long time ago, probably around 50 years ago, which is probably why I have no recollection of it. It was pretty amazing, though. I posted some pictures up on my social media pages. Then this past Monday, I met up with a couple who also live in Sevier County that I'm connected with on Bookface. He's a fellow Navy veteran, so him, his wife, and I got together for dinner. We talked about their travels and shared some sea stories, as well as some discussion about the terrible condition of politics in the state of Tennessee and in our own Sevier County. But what are the odds on that happening, though? 
two Navy veterans, three Sevier County, Tennessee residents being in the same small town in southeast New Mexico at the same time. Weird, huh? Anyway, let's move on to this week's topic of lies. I hope you all enjoyed last week's topic on leadership. It seemed to resonate with the audience, and it got a lot more traction than quite a few of my other recent episodes. This week's episode is going to piggyback on the fact that elected officials, most, but not all of them, as we will hear near the end of the show, but most of them are mocking and contemptuous towards the people that elected them. Their attitude towards not only the people, but towards the constitutions of the country and the state, towards their own oaths of office, are all leading us to, or actually have led us to, this point in our nation's history, where we no longer live in a constitutional republic, but we are all actually living in a police state. The actions that not only our federal government are engaged in right now, but also our state governments, which we'll get to in a bit, but the actions by all levels of government are proving that out. The facade of liberty and freedom is nearly completely wiped away. Liberty, freedom, constitutional principles, they are quickly becoming just mere memories. The indictment and arrest of the leading political opponent to the party in power is the best evidence yet that constitutionally protected rights are ignored, that the Constitution itself is ignored, or really it's just seen as an impediment to the new aristocracy. The federal government's ambivalence towards citizens of this country, citizens dealing with a natural disaster of epic proportions where hundreds, maybe a thousand people, including children, have perished. And the head of the executive branch initially has, quote-unquote, No comment about the situation? The child sniffer and his administration also want to tie millions of dollars of foreign aid to a bill that would provide the citizens of Maui a fraction of the same amount of money for its recovery. What our federal government is engaged in right now is normally the actions our nation used to condemn in other countries around the world. They are aiding and abetting corrupt regimes around the planet and they have a disdain for the rule of law and the care of its own citizens. Hitler, Stalin, Khrushchev, Mussolini, Pol Pot, Mao, Castro, and dozens of other dictators, past and present, around the globe would be proud of the current occupant of the White House and the rest of the communists in our government right now. Oh, and we cannot leave out the so-called free press in this either. They have become the modern equivalent of the Soviet Pravda, propping up the corrupt regime and vilifying anybody or anything standing in their way. The very things that the communists and their useful idiot enablers in the media stated would happen under a Trump presidency are actually occurring under the ice cream connoisseurs regime. Investigate and lock up the political opponents, which is what they said President Trump would do to Hillary Clinton, is actually what the child sniffer and his George Soros-funded district attorneys are doing to Trump right now. And all the while, Hillary Clinton is cheering that on. And not from a jail cell, as we were told would happen, but she's doing it on cable networks that are the propaganda ministry for the cabal in D.C. They also said that Donald Trump would get us into World War III because of his rhetoric. Lo and behold, Creepy Joe is pushing us headlong into a confrontation with a nuclear-armed Russia. And at the same time, he is pushing Russia into a close alliance with nuclear-armed China. 
Donald Trump, though? No new wars or regional conflicts were started, or did our country become engaged in during the first four years in office. I stress the word first there on purpose. That is a record for a president of the United States of America in the modern era. The commies, useful idiots in the media cried the sky would fall on the economy and the stock market once Donald Trump was elected. Yet here we sit, with inflation levels the highest in decades, and Americans' real wage increases are not keeping up with inflation, meaning every American is experiencing the stealth tax hike that is inflation. Always remember this. Only government spending and printing of money causes inflation. Nothing else does. When Biden claims that he has not raised taxes on anyone making less than $400,000 a year, it is a lie. Inflation is a tax. So are the cost of living increases caused by government, quote-unquote, investments in the green energy sector. The government picking winners and losers in the private sector has an extraordinary effect on the prices we pay for everyday items. In fact, the government's involvement in the private sector is the primary mover of consumer prices. Do you think solar panels and electric vehicles would be affordable if the government did not subsidize those industries? Of course not. Those government-forced lower prices artificially drive down the prices of competitor products. The economic law of supply and demand is altered. To benefit who? The government, not the consumer. Now, sure, there was a huge economic downturn during President Trump's final year in his office during his first term, but that downturn was caused by government at all levels, not market forces. Government ordered shutdowns and mandates because of the Wuhan coronavirus did all of that. A virus, by the way, that had the assistance of the U.S. government in its creation and funding. Meaning the taxpayers here in our republic, that's you and me, funded the root cause of the economic downturn as well as the resulting government's response that led to the deaths of many of its citizens. And it's about to happen again, according to the talking heads in government and media. Peachy, right? I'll leave you with this on that front, though, ladies and gentlemen. If the mandates come again, do not comply. It is only through compliance that we give them power. On the economic lies front, when Biden says inflation is going down, he is not telling the entire truth. The rate of increase in inflation is going down, but inflation is still up way up. The useful idiots in the media and the commies in government will tell us right now that inflation is at only three point something percent. But that three point something percent is compared to this time last year when it was around eight and a half percent. That means it is around 12 percent higher than it was two years ago. It's funny how government math works though, right? I think inflation should be reported as a percentage, not year over year but inauguration over inauguration. That would be the best indicator of executive branch action and influence on the free market, don't you think? Oh, the Congress doesn't get a pass on this either. It does not matter which party is in power the past few decades. All of them are a spend-happy aristocracy. This tax a lot and spend even more has led the whole of government to this point in our republic's history, where the Constitution is completely ignored not just by those in the party in power, but all of them. It has also led us to this point where potential political opponents 
who will dismantle their grip on power, well, those people, they have to be destroyed. Don't doubt me on this, folks. Given the volumes of evidence about the crime syndicate that is the Biden family, which is in all the public view right now, bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors, keep that in mind, what are the elected members of the GOP doing? Holding hearings. Granted, those hearings are exposing more evidence, but although they continue to hold hearings and make appearances on cable news circuits, they are not doing anything about it. It reminds me of a funny meme that I've been seeing floating around out there on social media sites. If you're around my age, you may remember the cartoon Tom and Jerry Show. Tom was a cat and Jerry was the mouse and they were always outwitting and battling each other. But the meme shows Tom the cat with a bloody mouth and chewing on an apparently very dead Jerry the mouse. And it's captioned this way. If Tom kills Jerry, the show is over. Same reason the quote-unquote other party, in this case, the other party is the feckless establishment Republicans in Congress, they never fix anything when they're in power. This is true on the federal and the state level. At the federal level, we have a usurper, a proven and admitted liar, a child predator, a la his own daughter's diary, along with numerous videos of him inappropriately touching and smelling women and children, he's a traitor, a foreign agent, sitting in the White House. Well, I say sitting because it's also apparent that this same person isn't capable of walking, riding a bike, or going upstairs. And all of what I just mentioned has plenty of evidence. Real evidence not just the hearsay and made-up interpretations of law-breaking that the commies have used to indict their political rival, but hard evidence, bank statements, emails, phone calls, all of it. The person that has the fake evidence and weird interpretations of the law used against them, though, well, he is indicted for exercising his constitutionally protected right of free speech and has surrendered himself for arrest four times so far this year. Because rest assured, that won't be the last of it either. The governors of Arizona and Michigan will surely be prompting some district attorneys in their states to follow gangland lover Fannie Willis's example here pretty soon. But like I said, the controlled opposition party has real evidence. And nothing is happening. Why do you think that is, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it's because we are no longer living in a constitutional republic. It is truly a police state right now. The guardrails that the Constitution put on the government are completely ignored. Constitutionally protected rights are ignored, and people are arrested for exercising them. While traitors, child molesters, forward agents, people that have committed bribery, high crimes, and misdemeanors are allowed to drag this country into third world banana republic oblivion. Also, while this is happening to the communist main political rival, they are also setting it up so that the numerous trials that will result from these arrests will occur during the 2024 primary election season, forcing their political opponent to be trapped in a courtroom to defend himself from the bogus charges. They have effectively jailed him to prevent him from being out on the campaign trail. It's convenient, right? Charges that come almost three or more years after their fraudulent indictments claim the crimes were committed 
That timing isn't suspicious in the least, right? We've already discussed the actually really suspicious timing of the announcement of these indictments, all of them coming the day after news revolving around the cracked attic son of the sitting president and Sleepy Joe's actual criminal behavior. But the other timing of these indictments against Donald Trump that set up court dates during the campaign season. Do you not see that that is banana republic stuff? That that is police state action? The government punishing and effectively jailing their main political opponent during an election cycle. The actions of a dictator trying to maintain a facade of a free and fair election. And that is just a look at the federal level. Let's drill down to the state level. And no better example than my beloved state of Tennessee right now. A state that most people around the country firmly believes is one of those red states where Republicans and conservatives are firmly in control of all levels of the government, where the GOP supermajority in the General Assembly and a two-term Republican governor sit at the helm and are guiding the state and protecting us from the socialism that is creeping across the republic. Well, that is where most people would be wrong. We have discussed the current special session of the General Assembly called by Trans-Publican Billy many times already but we're going to go into it a bit more since it's already in session and how it provides further evidence that we are no longer living in a constitutional republic, that we are living in a police state, even at the state levels. For a bit of background, this isn't the first special session of the General Assembly called by the governor here in Tennessee. It's the third one for Bill Lee. This also gives proof to that statement that if the citizens allow the government to suspend or take away your liberty during an emergency, well, they will keep creating emergencies to do that. As a reminder, Article 3, Section 9 of Tennessee's Constitution states that the governor may, on extraordinary occasions, key word there, extraordinary, convene the General Assembly by proclamation in which he shall state specifically the purposes for which they are to convene. Given that statement, you have to ask yourself just what is the extraordinary reason behind convening this special session? Because the backdrop behind the call was the actions by a young lady that identified as transgender who walked into a Christian school and killed three children and three adults. But just like your modern typical politician, Governor Lee thought that he must do something with that something being the passage of red flag laws here in the state of Tennessee. Also, like a modern politician, he wants to find a palatable way to get a law passed that infringes upon Tennesseans' constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. Unlike his previous proclamations convening a special session of the General Assembly that had three or four reasons behind the call, let's cover them a little bit. One of those proclamations was based upon the extraordinary circumstance of giving away nearly a billion in taxpayer dollars to a multi-billion dollar company, Ford Motor Company. He convened a special session of the General Assembly in order to entice Ford to build a plant here in Tennessee. His Ford giveaway proclamation of September 2021 listed five reasons in it, four of which specifically deal with a bribe he was offering Ford and the fifth dealing with how to pay for the special session. Then his next one in January 2021, 
dealing with COVID in public schools had six reasons. Five dealing with COVID and the final one on how to pay for it. The final reason in all proclamations always deal with how to pay for the special session. But anyway, his August 2020 proclamation dealing with COVID liability for healthcare workers and first responders had four total, three dealing with the COVID issue. But as a reminder, this latest proclamation, what a doozy. 18 reasons, 17 listed for the General Assembly to consider legislation. That is more than three times the reasons for his previous special session proclamations. Why so many? Well, I alluded to it last week. He is throwing as much spaghetti against the wall, hoping for a bunch of it to stick. The many reasons listed also give the legislators ample wiggle room to pass something. To give the governor and the ruling elite the appearance of doing something that politicians crave. The many and quite varied reasons listed in the governor's proclamation also give him and the Transpublicans in the General Assembly ample cover to slip a red flag law in under a caption bill, which is just a bill with a title and nothing else listed when it is proposed. It's one of those artful lies we have spoken about many times before on the show where the political class name a bill something that gives it a palatable flavor for the public to consume, but the title has nothing to do whatsoever with the language contained within the final version of the bill. By now, it should be an easily recognizable tactic that Congress and the many state legislatures around the country use, because they have been doing it for so many years now to conduct their usurpations of the people's liberty. So here's some data for you on the special session. When the governor provides 17 items for the legislature to consider, not as typical four or five, it has resulted in 102 bills introduced in the Tennessee House, 14 bills introduced in the Tennessee Senate, 24 House joint resolutions, and 10 House resolutions, which don't have the force of law, resolutions, just express the sentiment of those chambers. And the same applies to the 73 Senate joint resolutions. All told, 223 proposed pieces of legislation. Many of the resolutions have absolutely zero to do with the items listed in the governor's proclamation. But again, the members of the General Assembly ignore the Constitution in their usurpations of our liberty. Now I'm hearing reports about a threat from Representative Lambert. Keep in mind that he is a declared Republican, and in addition to representing the people for the 44th House District here in Tennessee, which is made up of parts of Sumner County, he also serves as the House Republican Majority Leader. There are reports out there that he has threatened other members of the Republican caucus that none of their bills will pass in the next regular session if they voted to adjourn the special session. There's also reports that he threatened committee assignments. This man, in a leadership position within the GOP supermajority, is working to silence the constituents of other members' districts. Corruption at the highest levels, my friends. He wants this special session so bad to get some sort of red flag law passed. For what reason, we can only speculate. 
it would be interesting to just see who funds this guy's re-election campaign or just what lobbyists he has been hanging around with lately. One thing is for sure, he is definitely not acting like a Republican. I sincerely hope that an effective, conservative challenger decides to primary him in next year's election. Because for better or for worse, early voting for next year's primary elections here in the state of Tennessee began last Monday when the special session convened. And now, if you read other reports, it also appears that he was quite successful with his threats as well. Only six representatives in the House supported Representative Brian Ritchie's motion to adjourn the special session. Representative Dale Carr, he was not among those six supporters. Senator Janice Bowling, though, she made a motion in the Senate. In fact, I'm going to play the audio from that motion here on this program because this is exactly how every elected member of the Tennessee General Assembly should be acting right now. Give it a listen. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. And my fellow members, all of us, upon being sworn in as a member of the Tennessee State Senate, took an oath of office per Article 10 of our state constitution that we would not consent to any act or thing, whatever, that shall have a tendency to lessen or abridge the rights and privileges of the people of Tennessee. The oath means as much to me today, and I'm sure it does to you, as it did the very first time I was sworn into this office. And today, we've been called into an extraordinary session of the General Assembly to address public safety, and the governor's own words, do something. The governor, per Article 3, Section 9, indeed does have the constitutional power, and I stand ready to fulfill my obligation to the people of Tennessee. However, I must question the exact nature of this obligation. The Constitution gives the governor this executive authority predicated on a very important qualifier, that the call be made an extraordinary occasion. Admittedly, there's very little legal precedent as to what that phrase means, and certainly governors across the nation in their own states have called their legislators into special session for a variety of reasons. Courts have upheld their power to do so. But as a state senator in Tennessee who swore an, office to the con an oath to the Constitution and to the people, I must ensure that my actions also satisfy my conscience to that oath. When I consider the phrase extraordinary occasion, it speaks to me that is an emergency and something of an urgent nature that needs, uh, for various reasons, cannot be postponed, as it would perhaps put our republic or our people in danger or the threat of something imminent. People in my district have spoken loudly on this issue, and the overwhelming consensus is that we face no emergency or immediate danger. And I must be honest, with this chamber, I echo their sentiments. What I do find concerning is that we find ourselves in the midst of a session that presents such a danger to public safety that only days ago, Metro Nashville Police advised that anyone who works in the Nashville downtown area should stay home during this session for their own safety. <clears throat> Additionally, there are bills filed now that we must consider outside the normal rules of order in a very abbreviated amount of time that seeks to these bills seek to address a myriad of very complex topics. These topics, during the course of an ordinary session of the General Assembly, would deserve robust debate through a committee process. 
This would be accompanied with valuable feedback from the citizens of this state as they follow the legislative process. Some of these bills seek to abrogate the rights of Tennesseans, and some of them seek to even enlarge the use of federal Medicaid spending, thereby expanding our entanglements with the federal government. I fear that no matter how well-intentioned this extraordinary session may be, it was ill-conceived and is in fact and of itself not a danger to public safety, but in large part an act that may lessen or abridge the rights and privileges of every Tennessean. I'm bound by my duty to the oath that I took to the Constitution of the State of Tennessee, to my conscience, and for reasons stated herein, I make a motion to adjourn. Was it that incredible? Senator Bowling is a fantastic legislator that embodies the ideals of what the Republican Party is supposed to stand for. I only wish the rest of the so-called Republicans would follow her example. Well, folks, that's it for this week. In closing, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and today it comes to us from Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We, as Americans, need to wake up to the realization that our government is no longer our friend. They blow kisses at us with their legislation that usurps our liberty at every turn including what is happening in the Tennessee General Assembly right now. With promises to provide security, they rob us of our sweat equity and they rob us of our liberty. Placing future generations of every American citizen into debt and unable to defend themselves against crime and tyranny. They willingly use our own money against us, all the while aiding enemies of our nation around the globe. Government has willingly partnered with criminals, both here at home, in the case of the Biden crime family, and abroad with people like Zelensky, to weaken our nation and enslave us all, turning our beloved constitutional republic into a police state in order to maintain their grip on power. Once or until we all wake up to those facts, it will only get worse. To quote John Adams, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Why do you think that that document is either ignored or attacked? Because we are being governed by immoral, unholy people who only want to control us, to rule us, to not govern us with our consent. Once again, thank you all for listening this week, and I pray that you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up. <laughs>